Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Another week is in the books of ACC football, and we are here to talk about it on Action Packed, part of the Fans First Sports Network college football feed. I am your co-host, Corey Cohen, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Andy Pregler. Andy, how are you doing this week? You know, it was a great week of college football across the board, and for the ACC, I somehow feel like we learned a lot, and at the same time, we didn't really learn a whole lot. Uh, it sounds, it, it that's very contradictory, but it was one of those weeks where a lot of the things that we kind of assumed coming into the week just got proven out, and a lot of things that we wanted to see happen in terms of separation between, say, a Florida State and Clemson, or a North Carolina and the rest of the pack. Uh, all kind of came to be and we're starting to get what I at least feel is your classic ACC where we have the top teams whole bunch of I don't really know in the middle and a small group of teams at the bottom that we know are just not going to do a whole lot yeah yeah absolutely so this week had a lot of games as you said some of them didn't tell us as much as we were hoping so we're really going to focus on two one I think that told us a lot and was a phenomenal game and the other that might not tell us all that much but it was an absolutely bonkers game and we're gonna have to talk about it so let's start with the highlight of the week for the ACC that was the two typical powerhouses Florida State versus Clemson although on the field Florida State hasn't really lived up to the hype in recent years but it seems like they are this year Florida State went into Death Valley and they beat Clemson in overtime, 31 to 24. The Knowles remain undefeated, one of the top ranked teams in the country. This game was thrilling. It was close throughout. It came down to the wire. It went into overtime. There were some great plays. There were some questionable coaching decisions. I'm excited to talk about this game because it really was a heavyweight bout. And even though Clemson is now out of it with a two and two record, you could tell they're still a very good football team and they brought everything to Florida State. Yeah, I think that one of the big takeaways here was how Florida State really does have that killer instinct. One of the things that I had been worried about coming into this game was after seeing how LSU really kind of laid down against Florida State in that second half of the game, and LSU had a, a decent win this week. There's, I think the jury is still out on how good this LSU team is relative to the rest of the powers in the SEC. Uh, that is itself a different conversation I'll probably tackle on one of the other, <laughs> that other fans first Sports Nation podcasts on this feed. But I do think that the biggest question that we had going into this game was how good Florida State was relative to a Clemson team that I think is definitively better than its 2-2 two and two record. Mm-hmm. And what we saw was that this Florida State team still had some of the mental hurdles to clear. You know, this Clemson game has become a bit of a boogeyman for the program in itself. And there were a lot of times I thought Clemson could have put the game away but didn't. And part of that is due to some Clemson things that I'm sure we're going to talk those about. Those are Andy. Minutes. Those are Andy's cops, by the way. In case anyone's driving, they're Andy's yeah, I'm cops. Sorry, yeah, sorry. This is this is your reminder that I live in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but these are the, uh, the Clemson had chances to put this game away and didn't. And credit to Florida State, they had a very clear game plan. And even when things weren't going according to you know perfect scripting, they stuck to a game plan that they knew would work, which was essentially. Clemson's front four slash front seven is going to get into the backfield with Jordan Travis. We need to buy him time by moving the pocket around so he can throw 
mid to deep balls one-on-one with where our big guys can beat Clemson guys in one-on-one jump ball situations. And there were plenty of times where Florida state had some drops or the ball was not perfectly thrown due to Clemson's pressure. And there were potential almost picks that were dropped. And the, at the end of the day, what I thought was really something for Florida state was when they had the ball on the last drive to move down the field uh, and also in the first overtime, they stuck to that game plan. They didn't try to get fancy. They didn't try to change things just because the game had not gone the way they expected it to. They stuck to their game plan and it ended up, they, they were hundred percent right. Like Clemson played a fantastic game on defense. However, one of the big questions that we had against Clemson after watching that Duke game in the, in the first week of the season was how good is the secondary? It looks like they have a bunch of, really solid guys, but no one that can really shut down an elite wide receiving talent. Nobody that's like elite physically that can maybe match up with bigger wide receivers. And at the end of the day, they didn't. And Florida state was able to take advantage of that to both force this game to go into overtime and to ultimately win in overtime. And I, I came away very impressed with Florida state's mental and coaching side of the game because of it. I completely agree. This was a heavy test for Florida State because Clemson, you said it, without a doubt, they are better than their 2-2 two and two record. They went toe-to-toe with Florida State, a team that I believe is one of the best teams in the country. And yeah, they got their, their teeth kicked in by Duke, without a doubt. But I'm very curious to see what Clemson does moving forward. And coming up in a little bit, we'll be talking about this upcoming weekend's games. And yeah, there's a huge matchup coming up against Syracuse that I think is going to tell us a lot about what Clemson really is this year. And the same goes for Syracuse, but from a Florida state perspective, that's a tough place to play. This is a game that has become a rivalry. These have been two of the teams that have won the ACC most years in recent memory. I mean, Pitt won it in 2021. And outside of that, to, to my knowledge, I don't believe anyone's won it in a long, long time. I can't remember the last team, Last time a team besides Pitt won it that wasn't Clemson or Florida State. Yeah, and this is in a conference that has been defined by these two programs, and I don't necessarily think that that is a a, a bad thing. I think it just goes to show that we needed to have both of these programs be good, and both of these programs have been good. And uh, you know, to answer to answer your question, you know, Notre Dame technically won the conference in uh, 2020, but like, let's just let's not count that year for no, a variety of reasons. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, you know, Notre Dame being in the in the championship game is 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 kind of ridiculous. But the last time that a non Florida State or Clemson team won this uh, division or won this conference was, was 2010, uh, when Virginia Tech uh, was able to knock off okay. Florida State, and the year before that. Georgia Tech knocked off Clemson. So even when they don't win the conference, they're they're in the conference title game. Yeah, and they're right there. Exactly. And and I think that, you know, not to, to look at too far ahead here, but if you look at the rest of Florida State's schedule, their toughest ACC games are all at home. They get Duke at home. They get Miami at home. If you want to count Syracuse as, as a tough game at this point, they get them at home as well. Um, their road games are at Wake Forest, at Pitt, and then they have to go to Florida, but that won't have any impact of them in the ACC standings. That'll just impact their, their playoff chances. So I, I think that, you know, coming out of this, we are guaranteed to have Florida State in the ACC title game. And that obviously hasn't happened in a minute, um, but it does kind of cement the ACC's reputation as a, a Florida State Clemson league. And for the first time since 2014, I think we can safely say uh, it's Florida State's turn to kind of be the the cream of the ACC. Yeah, because it was for a few years there with Jameis Winston and Jimbo Fisher, they were at the top and Clemson was still blowing, you know, Clemsoning. They were blowing it against South Carolina in the last game of the season or or what have you. And so now it's back to being Florida State. As you said, it's their turn. And for so many years, I would say leading up to about 2020, because again, the the weird pandemic, but before that, it was just every year we knew Clemson was going to be in the ACC championship game, and it was just which coastal team is going to take a turn to lose to them. And 
it was, I remember there was it, every single team in the Coastal won in consecutive years. I mean, it rotated. Nobody won twice. It was incredible. And again, not until, if we don't count 2020, not until 2021 did uh, a, a team not called Clemson or Florida State win it. And that year, Pitt, when they won the AC Championship, they beat Wake Forest. Clemson didn't even make the game. But I, I'm fully in agreement. I think we're back to that point where this is going to be and now we're without division, so it's not who's going to win the Coastal. But Florida State's going to be there at the ACC Championship game. Those fans can book their tickets to Charlotte if they haven't already. Who are they going to be playing? And we're now pretty confident that it's not going to be Clemson. Something could happen where North Carolina and Duke and Miami lose multiple games and the tiebreaker works out. But we're pretty sure it's not going to be Clemson. So it's going to be Florida State versus one of those teams. And the big question is, can one of those teams actually give them a battle or is this going to be a situation like many of those years with Clemson 2016, 17, 18, 19, where it was just someone, someone's turn to get crushed by Clemson in the championship game. Is it Miami's turn? Is it Pitt's turn? Is it Virginia's turn? It was just a different thing this year. Now we're going to find out more about those teams as the season progresses in the coming weeks. But right now, without a doubt, Florida state looks destined for the ACC championship game. They're in a really good position for the playoff because, as you said, they their toughest games are going to be at home, minus Florida, a team that does look good. But even with one loss, there's still a chance if they lose just one game, but they win all the others and win the ACC championship, they could still make the playoff. So that's another conversation we can have later in this year when we're advocating for the ACC champ to make it to the playoff. But for now, all we know is that Florida State looks great. They beat a team that is tough to play in Clemson, even though it's a down year, still a physical, talented team. Jordan Travis looks like a really good quarterback. That combination with Keon Coleman won the game for them in overtime. And without a doubt, Florida State is looking like they're on a glide path. Next week against Virginia Tech, I think, is going to be pretty ugly for the Hokies. And uh, and then we'll see again versus Syracuse versus Duke. I, I think those games will be really interesting. It could be exciting. But for now, Florida State's in a great spot. Yeah, and I think that the, one of the reasons why we're, we're so bullish on, on Florida State is that if you look at this game, you know, Clemson outgained Florida State 429 yards to just 311, and most of that was on the ground. You know, Clemson had much higher time of possession. They were averaging, you know, more uh, more yards per play overall. Like, there, there were a lot of things to look at this game and go, you know, Clemson gave Florida State their best effort, and it still wasn't enough. And those are the kinds of things that separate you know, a, a good ACC championship team from a legitimate playoff contending team. When you can take a team like Clemson, when you can take their best punch on the road and still come out of that game on top, that's not something that every team can do. That is something that teams that are trying to win the last game of the season can do. And, and I think that all, we'll, we'll talk more about Clemson in, in the preview of the Syracuse-Clemson game that's coming up this week. I still think that this Clemson team is going to be very good. I think that there is a very realistic chance that they end up losing four games this year, and they might be the best four-loss team in the country. Yep. There's a chance that they don't lose a game the rest of the way out, and they have a massive impact on which team ends up playing uh, Florida State in the ACC title game. It's, it's really become one of the more interesting situations. And the entire time, all you can really think about is of all the years for this to happen to Clemson, you really couldn't go out and get another transfer wide receiver to make this offensive transition a little bit easier. Yep. Like Cade Klubnik is getting better every week, but that throw, that play call, that decision on the last play of the game it's why you want a bigger safety net. The, you know, there were lots of times where Clemson was just unable to move the sticks on big plays. Both of these teams were were not very good on third down in this game. You know, Clemson, uh, Florida State was just four for 13 on third downs. Clemson was a bit better at six for 14. But th there were just so many opportunities where you looked at this game and you looked at this Clemson offense and you went, the fixes to make this team uh, one that could compete with Florida State were really obvious. And I think Garrett Riley is still a very good OC. I think Will Shipley is still one of the best running backs in the country. It's just really clear that you needed a couple more pieces on offense to make this transition easier, 
if you wanted to compete for the ACC, which I'm going to make the general assumption that Clemson intends on competing for the ACC every year and doesn't do rebuilding years. Yeah, they certainly don't do rebuilding years. And again, 2021 was the closest thing to it. I, I believe that was the only year since Florida State was the the king of the ACC that Clemson didn't at least make the ACC championship game. They were always right there outside of that one year. And even that year, I think they were like nine and three in the regular season. They still had a great year. But yeah, without a doubt, you're you know that Dabo was thinking, oh, it would have been really nice to have Sammy Watkins or T Higgins or someone like that on the team. It would have been nice, even though, again, I, I'm in agreement that Will Shipley's phenomenal. It would have been nice to, to maybe have Travis Etienne there and, and just get a yard. But also, again, they didn't trust Will Shipley, I think, to their detriment in on those final plays in overtime when they needed to move the sticks just one yard and, and they didn't trust it. I have to point out, before we move on from the Florida State-Clemson battle, we've been used to Florida State-Clemson being this big game. It was exciting, and a lot of people were watching it, I think, because it was the only really good game in that window. We've been used to that. And we've been used to the loser of that game effectively being knocked out because of the way that the conference championship had the format has gone. I think what's incredible is this was the first year that the ACC changed the format and went away from divisions. So all those years that it was Clemson versus whoever from the coastal and they would just get crushed. Fans were begging oh, why are Clemson and Florida State in the same division? Why can't they be in separate divisions, play each other in the championship, and then we can have the two best teams fight each other? That was the case when those two teams were the best in the ACC. And now, finally, we get to the position where they do away with divisions. The top two teams can make it. So we could see a Florida State-Clemson ACC championship game. This is the first year that that was actually on the table and Clemson has now been effectively knocked out of the conversation by week four. I just find that wild. They finally do the thing that so many people wanted them to do. I don't want to see, you know, fans were saying, I don't want to see Clemson versus Virginia or Clemson versus Duke or whatever the coastal champ is. I want to see Clemson versus Florida State, the two top teams, these two powerhouse programs. Now they can do it, and Clemson is 2-2 two and two by week four. It's just wild. And I think it's one of those things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago on this show. Like the ACC has just gotten so much better. And the reason that we're saying this is because Duke and UNC are undefeated. College game day is coming, is oh, yeah. going to, is going to Duke this week. And we'll, we'll talk about that in the, in the coming, in the preview section. But this is, this is a season where theoretically in any other ACC year, a two loss Clemson with this format would still be in play for the ACC title game. There'd be a lot of two lost teams on the schedule. However, this year I'm looking at, I'm looking at the way the schedule breaks. I'm not so sure that there's not going to be one, if not multiple one loss ACC teams, uh, which is why we're having this conversation, which again, to your point is absolutely insane. It's insane. And I'm in complete agreement. I, without a doubt, I could imagine Miami or Duke or North Carolina, or as you said, multiple that have just one ACC loss and, and go and play Florida state. It's wild. And by the way, the other funny thing about it is the most likely teams that would go and play Florida state in the ACC championship game this year, the three most likely teams I would argue are all from the former coastal division rest in peace <laughs> sorry to Syracuse I know Syracuse is undefeated I know Louisville is undefeated but right now it's looking like UNC Duke and Miami are right there and I think we're gonna have Atlantic versus Coastal yet again bring back the Coastal baby Coastal chaos it's never gonna go away what no matter what we try to do it will always exist in some in some format there will always be Coastal chaos all right let's talk about chaos Andy because there was one more game this past weekend that was absolutely bonkers and this was a game that was not on the radar for many people but it was NC State versus Virginia a reeling UVA team that was desperate for a win and boy did they come close Virginia down in the final moments, they needed a touchdown. They got a touchdown. They on the touchdown play, one of their offensive linemen headbutts somebody. <laughs> so they get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that moves them back 15 yards. Now they were down eight. 
So they couldn't just kick the extra point. They needed the touchdown and a two-point conversion. So now instead of a two-point conversion from the two, it was all the way back at the 17. They somehow still get that. Their quarterback, Anthony Calendria, heaves up a ball as he's getting whacked. They get the two-point conversion. But on that play, his helmet is kind of coming off. He then takes it off as he hits the ground, sort of flexes, and he gets a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. That's a 15-yard penalty on the kickoff, which then makes NC State 15 yards closer to drive it down the field in the final seconds. They do that with former Virginia quarterback Brennan Armstrong, I might add. They kick a field goal. They miss it. It gets blocked. But that gets called back because Virginia gets called for a leaping penalty. Someone leaped over the offensive line, which you're not allowed to do. So NC State gets a second chance for a game-winning field goal. That one, they hit three back-breaking penalties against Virginia in the final moments of this game. Uh, the Who's just snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, didn't they? The Who's committed seven penalties for 69 yards, the three at the end being insanely costly. And I think that one of the things that we weren't, we knew that Virginia was not going to be one of the better teams in the ACC. Uh, I did not expect them to be the worst team in the ACC, but here we are. And I think that that's pretty safe to say. And I thought that, you know, Virginia might pull out a win somewhere along the way. I did not think it would be against NC State. I think that at some point in time, we need to have a conversation about what's going on down there because Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong are not having the rom-com get back together that we all expected them to have. Yes, NC State is 3-1 and one and they are 1-0 in conference play. But man, this has not looked pretty at all. Brennan Armstrong was only 15 of 30 didn't really have a great game on the ground. And uh, NC State is really lucky where the next two weeks they have Louisville and Marshall, which are winnable games. But those are both going to be tough. And then they go through their murderer's row of Duke, Clemson, Miami. uh, And they finish off with North Carolina at the end of the year. I I am more concerned with NC State right now than I am with Virginia, which is (laughs) wild to say. Because, again... I think Virginia probably should have won this game. And again, even if they would won this game, I would still stand here before you and say, I think UVA is the worst team in the ACC. It's pretty incredible because I'm in agreement. I think that they are the worst team and there's an understandable reason for that. But it, it is kind of remarkable that for the Wolfpack, I mean, you just look at their week one game against UConn. UConn plays NC State, and we kind of think, oh, UConn might be decent this year. They only lost by 10 to NC State. Well, UConn just played another ACC team this past week. Duke beat them 41 to 7. So it's I don't think it's that UConn is better this year. They also lost at Georgia State, not even close, and they lost against FIU at home. So I think that week one gave us a false sense of hope if you're, you know, about UConn saying, oh, you know, NC State, Yeah, it was only a 10-point win, but UConn's actually pretty good. No, I think UConn is still UConn. NC State is just shaky. And even though they're 3-1 and and their only loss is against Notre Dame, NC State does have a lot to prove to me. And as you said, if not for three horrendous penalties against Virginia, all self-inflicted, and you can make the case, if you're a Who's fan, that the helmet coming off shouldn't have been an unsportsmanlike penalty because it was already off. You know, So I get that. But at the end of the day... The headbutt still without a doubt a penalty. Leaping still without a doubt a penalty. Calandria, the quarterback, still flexing. Not the brightest thing to do. And without at least two of those things from happening, NC State probably loses that game. So, yeah, NC State's in a weird spot right now. We're going to be talking about their upcoming game with Louisville. But, yeah, they are not looking great. And Virginia, it's just... It's not pretty down there in Charlottesville. Well, it's pretty. It's fall in Charlottesville, so it's gorgeous. <laughs> but, but on the field, it's not quite so pretty. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, they've got a game coming up against William & Mary. Hopefully, they'll, they'll uh, get their first win of the season next week. Or also at Boston College, one of those teams is going to have to win a game. That's coming up this weekend. So, one of those teams will, will, will get a victory. Boston College does have the one against Holy Cross, so we'll see. But just a wild, wild game. We talked about it over on Fourth Quarter Chaos right here on the FFSN College football feed. 
one of the craziest games of the week, one of the crazier games of the season, just so much happening. And that's what we love about ACC football, just bonkers stuff happening in the final moments. It really felt like we were about to get some vintage ACC week if UVA beat uh, NC State, you know, Clemson pulls the upset on FSU. Uh, you know, the conference just goes straight into the mediocrity range as quickly as possible. Uh, but that didn't end up happening. And we have what appears to be a somewhat normal conference. Somewhat normal conference with some big games coming up. Just wrapping up this segment, talking about the games last week, moving around the ACC. 17th ranked North Carolina beat Pitt 41 to 24. Virginia Tech lost to Marshall 24 to 7. Things not looking great for the Hokies either. Your Syracuse Orange beat Army 29 to 16. As we mentioned, Duke crushed UConn 41 to 17. Louisville clobbered Boston College 56 to 28. Miami handled Temple. 41 to 7 and Georgia Tech in a little bit of an upset beat Wake Forest 30 to 16 that was in Winston-Salem and Wake Forest's dream of an undefeated season is no more I am one to admit that I didn't watch the Georgia Tech game because I was at a wedding uh Saturday night however I was watching with a Georgia Tech alumnus and a Georgia Tech super fan we are going to the Syracuse Georgia Tech game later this season he was incredibly happy, and I do think that life without Sam Hartman is going to make life rough in Winston-Salem. We will learn a lot about Wake Forest uh, in the coming ACC weeks, I, I do believe. Absolutely, we will. They've got a big game uh, coming up now at Clemson. Probably a pissed-off Clemson. Not an easy task. Okay, we will take a break and be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Action Packed on the FFSN College Football Network. Okay, we are back here on Action Packed. All talk about ACC football. He's Andy Pregler. I am Corey Cohen. So we've got some exciting games coming up this weekend. You mentioned it, Andy. For the first time in the history of ESPN College Game Day, the football version, they are headed to Durham, North Carolina to see Duke host Notre Dame. Absolutely incredible. College Game Day has been there many times for basketball, not once for football. Duke football is 4-0. They had that huge win over Clemson. They're hosting Notre Dame, a ranked-versus-ranked matchup. This game is going to be absolutely thrilling. And we're going to learn from Duke if that Clemson game was a one-off, they just caught the Tigers flat-footed off guard, or if they can bring this to, to Notre Dame, we're going to learn that maybe Duke is actually an incredible team, one of the better ones in the country. Yeah, I think – there's going to be a lot of discourse around Notre Dame because when you lose to Ohio state at home, when you had the opportunity to knock them off because of very obvious coaching errors on back-to-back -back plays on the goal line, like there's not really a whole lot else to talk about. So I, I understand why the discourse around Notre Dame might be more of a, they're looking for a rebound game against Duke. You know, what, what is Marcus Freeman going to do to, to kind of rebound from his job? But I think one of the things about Duke that is going to be a little bit overlooked is just how consistent they are. Like this is, you know, Duke is a top 25 team uh, by every metric that you go by. If you look at, you know, the actual polls, they're in the top 25. If you look at SP plus, they're 24th in the country, top 30 in both offense and defense. Uh, if you look at, you know, overall efficiency numbers, they have a, you know, top 10 uh, overall metric in that regard, uh, but they are top 20 in offense. They're top 30 in defense. It, it's just one of those teams where anything less than your best is going to lead to Duke having opportunities to win the game. And that team can be really dangerous, but this Duke team doesn't have the elite talent that kind of takes them into that next level that takes them into a top 15 top 10 offense, top 15 defense. And that doesn't mean that they're not dangerous. It just means that in a game like this against Notre Dame, and you are going to make the assumption that Notre Dame is probably going to come in with something to prove. The question for Duke is, can you weather that storm and allow Notre Dame to make mistakes that you expect them to make? And I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I do think that this is going to be a great 
moment for Duke football. And I think that Mike Elko is going to be someone who we hear a lot about in the coming coaching cycle. And I honestly don't know if he'll leave Duke because it seems like one of those jobs where if, you know, Mike Elko's a defensive minded guy, those coaches typically don't get the highest gigs because everybody wants an offensive mastermind kind of at the helm of their program, as opposed to a defensive mastermind. And look, if the ACC is going to stick together as a conference, which they have every intent on doing with these recent expansion moves, you know, staying at Duke for a while and being the new, you know, Wake Forest type team where you win eight games every year and then you put together a season like this where you challenge for the ACC title game, that's not a bad gig at all. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we saw this in last year's coaching cycle with Lance Leipold at Kansas, who had an opportunity perhaps to go to Wisconsin or to go to another program. And I'm sure his name's going to be floated for the Michigan State job coming up. And he decided, no, it makes more sense to stay at Kansas. A Again, a very similar, uh, comparable to Duke in that it's a basketball first school. Everyone knows them as being great at that one sport. And if you can win eight games as a football coach, you're like a god there. You, you're doing something that no one has ever done, and there's real value in being that coach. And so I think that there is a decent chance that he stays. I mean, maybe if it's a top-tier job, if you know Dabo Sweeney retires and they call it Mike Elko, yeah, you go to that. But for a lot of jobs, you're not going to take a slightly better job just to leave. I, I don't think that makes a ton of sense. So I could very well imagine that Mike Elko might stay there. I mean, this Duke team, their defense looks excellent. As you were saying, he's a defensive guy. They have got that, that mentality, that, that incredible winning mentality that even though they don't have the talent level, they didn't have the talent level against Clemson and they're not going to have the talent level against Notre Dame. They're just not as talented in terms of size and skill and speed and all that but they're fighters and they've got that mentality. And it was incredible to watch against Clemson. They beat Northwestern, a team that we thought was awful, but they might actually be decent. I mean, yeah, they lost to Rutgers and Duke on the road, but they just beat Minnesota, a team. That, I mean, not, I'm not saying North uh, Northwestern is good, but they're not bad. I, I think the fact that Duke beat them 38 to 14, it wasn't close says something about them. I think this Duke squad is very good. I expect a close game. I think Notre Dame, right now they're five-and-a-half-point favorites. I think if Notre Dame had won against Ohio State, I would like Duke more in this. I think the fact that Notre Dame came so close and lost, they're going to have a big chip on their shoulder. They also know that they have zero room for error. There is no other way for them to get into the national championship other than winning every single game for the rest of this year. And even then it might not be enough. But I think Notre Dame will come out and win this game. But I also don't think that that says anything bad about Duke. I think Duke will still be a very good team, worthy of being top 25, and worthy of being considered one of the top teams in the ACC. It's just this Notre Dame team, I really believe that they're inc incredibly good, like a borderline top 10 team. And they're going to be furious coming out of the gates after they let that game against Ohio State slip away. Yeah, I think the really obvious uh, stat to kind of look at is to head over to cfbgraphs.com, um, check out at Stats of War on Twitter. Uh, they do a lot of offensive and defensive efficiency numbers, and it's essentially looking at, you know, how consistently are you able to do good things? Uh, typically, pretty good predictor of success. Uh, and if you look at this game there, you know, they predict that this game is going to be about a three or four point game in favor of Notre Dame. Things are very even, but where there's a giant red flag is that the Duke defense has been pretty good this year, but against the Clemson team that has a strong running game against a, a Northwestern team that wants to run the ball on them, uh, Duke right now has a 41% defensive success rate against the rush. Uh, that is 94th best in the country. That's not a very good mark. It essentially means that, you know, 40% of the time a team is able to get significant chunks of yardage or get a first down on a running play. And Notre Dame has Audric, Audric Estime, Estime, I always get his name wrong. Um, Notre Dame is a team that is very comfortable handing the ball off to their running backs pretty consistently here. 
And I think it's really going to come down to Duke being able to stop the rushing game consistently. I don't know if they can because what we saw the Blue Devils do against Clemson was not necessarily stop the run, but stop the red zone rushing attack. And then Clemson booted all those field goals, had special teams meltdowns. I don't think you can count on the same thing from Notre Dame. And I think that's really going to be the difference here. It's going to be a close game, but I think Duke just has the one weakness that Notre Dame can really exploit here. Uh, And that is, you know, it's rather unfortunate. I'm sure they're going to do their best to kind of scheme for that. But when we're already talking about a talent and size disadvantage, rushing game disadvantages are really going to put you behind the eight ball. Yeah, without a doubt. But that... I'm so excited to see that atmosphere. I mean, we know oh, yeah. that the fans can be wild. We know what they do as the Cameron Crazies for basketball. And for game day, if they're camping out overnight like they do uh, for basketball, that's going to be amazing. The fans are wild. They're passionate about sports. They just need a good football team down there to really activate them. They had one season, and it was it was exciting. And We'll see if that's if that happens yet again. But Wallace Wade Stadium is going to be crazy. Game day in the morning is going to be nuts. I am I'm so excited to to see a full Wallace Wade Stadium to see what the, the potential that they have because that is a school that has all the potential in the world, and we see it in, in almost every other sport for top quality athletics. But we just haven't really seen it in football, and so I think it can be unleashed this weekend. Let's turn our attention to the the Orange Derby, if you will. <laughs> Clemson versus Syracuse. This will kick off the afternoon, 12 o'clock on ABC. This game is going to tell us so much. I'm so excited for this game because I so don't know what to make of your Syracuse Orange. Clemson, we're going to learn a lot about them. Again, their two losses the Duke game was one thing. They played Florida State so close. I think this is going to tell us so much about both. You talk about big games coming to to Duke. This is going to be a huge game coming to the the Carrier Dome or whatever it's called now. I still call it the Carrier Dome. Uh, it's the Carrier Dome forever. Don't we're okay. not we're not gonna we're not gonna give in to new to new branding. Okay, good. It's Heinz Field forever. Also, so I'm yes. I'm with you on that. Uh, the, yeah, this is just going to be exciting. Clemson coming up to Syracuse, New York, and yeah, preview this game for us, Andy, because I think we're going to learn a lot about both of these squads, but especially about your Orange. This is your account. What what are we going to see? What what we're going to see is there's already a lot of talk happening in, in central New York about this game for a variety of reasons. Uh, but mostly this is Syracuse's homecoming game. You can guarantee that Dabo has that up on every bulletin board throughout the Clemson training facility and locker room. If there is one man who loves to find any form of disrespect, it is Dabo Sweeney and he will gladly use that to motivate his team. Uh, I think for Syracuse, The challenge has been that in four games against not very good teams, the Orange have shown signs of brilliance on both the offense and defensive side of the ball. The 3-3-5 has done a great job of limiting damage and forcing big plays uh, to either turn the ball over on downs or to get turnovers uh, in, in passing situations. The offense has moved the ball really efficiently both through the air and on the ground. The problem for both sides of the ball is that neither of those things have been consistent. You know, Syracuse just knocked off Army, but that game, the Orange trailed the Black Knights at halftime because Army had a 75-play, 13-minute drive to open the game, and it was because Syracuse could not stop the run. Uh, They adjusted, and they basically held Army to under two yards of carry for the rest of the way out, but... There is not going to be an Army or a Purdue or a Central Michigan on the other side of the line of scrimmage every game where you can take the first drive off. Likewise, on offense, we've seen Garrett Schrader really struggle to be consistent with his decision-making between when to throw and when to pass. Against Purdue, he was really decisive about when to run the ball. Uh, Against Army, he was really decisive that he wanted to throw the ball consistently, and that put him in a lot of trouble because the Syracuse, the Syracuse is without Aronde Gadsden, their best receiver. They also found out that uh, Isaiah Jones, their number two wide receiver, is going to be out for a, quote, significant period of time, according to mm. Dino Babers. That means that Syracuse is now down to wide receiver number two and Damian Alford. 
and then a bunch of players that are remarkably unproven uh, in their wide receivers four through whatever. And I, I think that there is a recipe for success here. Uh, the Clemson offensive line has struggled against very aggressive blitzing teams, which Syracuse can be, and the special teams have looked bad. And Syracuse has done a really good job of of taking special teams mistakes and turning them against their opponents. My biggest concern about this game is, though, Will Shipley is somebody who will cause problems for the Orange defense. Does Garrett Riley swallow his pride and run a very basic offense that just attacks Syracuse at where I think is their weakest, which is a very direct power run game. That's really not his style. That's not what Clemson wants to do in any way, shape, or form. But it's probably the most effective against Syracuse. And I'm really curious to see if Clemson not necessarily reverts back to old form, but does Dabo win out and get to tell his new hotshot OC, look, we're playing this game my way. Or does Garrett Riley continue to open up the playbook and maybe make some more of the play calling decisions that we saw in the fourth quarter and overtime of that Florida State game, which I think would allow Syracuse to match up better as the Syracuse defensive secondary and linebackers are really the strength of that defense. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, that first drive might tell us a ton about what this game is going to be, what Clemson decides to do coming out of the gate. If they decide to just run Will Shipley and take advantage of time of possession and get through most of the first quarter without letting Syracuse touch the ball, or if they, they decide to air it out and yes, they've got the talent to, to perhaps make that work, but I'm in agreement with you. I think one thing would be smarter and we'll see if they actually decide to do that. And then for Syracuse, I mean, it's going to be really tough. Garrett Schrader, I don't know. I know I'm going to sound like a broken clock, but I don't know what to make of him. I don't know what to make of <laughs> we, anything with Syracuse. I, I listen. Garrett Schrader has been the quarterback here for for two plus seasons, and we still don't really know what to make of him. Uh, it's he is one of the most confounding college quarterbacks ever because when he does what he does best, he is the most fun to watch. He is the most physical quarterback. He can pretty much do anything you want him to do. The problem is that version of Garrett Schrader is not the version of Garrett Schrader you get for 50 snaps. You get that version of Garrett Schrader for 10 to 15 snaps a game. When those snaps are, what situation they happen in, no one knows. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, maybe it's going to be the final snaps on the last drive of the game to win it for Syracuse uh, and the Orange move to 5-0, and or Clemson comes back with a fury again, I mentioned with Notre Dame after losing a close game last week, a game they could have maybe should have won and Clemson might come out and remind everyone. Yeah. We're the Clemson Tigers. We're a phenomenal football team. We had one bad game against Duke. And then besides that, we lost a brutally close game in overtime, questionable play calls in that overtime period, but still a, a top team. I do think Clemson's going to win by, seven to 10 points. I, I just think that they're so talented. Again, if they somehow beat Florida state last week, I think maybe Syracuse could catch them off guard, but I think Clemson now is pissed off. They're not ranked anymore. They're going to feel disrespected. I'm sure Dabo's going to be playing all that up. And, uh, and this could be, th this could be their bounce back game and they're there. No one believed in us. And again, they'll say that any chance they can get, but th this could very well be their bounce back game. And, but I'm I'm telling you, we will finally learn something about Syracuse because we tried to parse through what does this win against Western Michigan mean? What does the win at Purdue mean against Army? Did are they good? Are they not? We're gonna learn something about Clemson, about Syracuse in this Clemson game. And then again the week after that at North Carolina, and then again the week after that at Florida State. We're gonna learn if this Syracuse team could perhaps compete for a spot in that ACC championship game against FSU or are they going to fall more toward that middle of the pack or are they going to be somewhere in between? We honestly have no idea still. I would, the, the most frustrating thing about this is that if Syracuse had a Ronda Gadsden and then Isaiah Jones, yeah. I would, I would pick Syracuse nine times out of 10 in this game because Gadsden is six, five Jones is six, four. They have Damian Alford. Who's healthy at six, six. They would run the, they would run the FSU playbook that we saw. 
go one-on-one with those smaller Clemson quarterbacks, move those guys down the field, take advantage of the mismatches that are just clearly there. They don't have those guys. I agree with you. I think Clemson wins this game. I think it's a little bit closer. I think this is probably going to be a four to seven point victory for the Tigers. I still think that their special teams are a mess and that's going to come and bite them a bunch of games this year. Um, But I do think we are going to find out how tough Syracuse is because in last season, when Syracuse hit its rough patch of the season, uh, they did not just skid. They went down the slide all the way down to six straight losses because they got so banged up in those tough three games that the rest of the way out, they, they were just beaten and battered up. I hope that doesn't happen this year, but like you said, this is, I think this is probably the most revealing game on the slate because we have two teams right now that could both finish the year anywhere between 10 and two, nine and three and seven and five, six and six, which is absolutely wild. It is wild. And I think that just says a lot about the scheduling. Not many teams play their first four games all out of conference. Most of the teams, they'll play a conference game sprinkled in there somewhere. And Syracuse hasn't. So it's really tough to know what to make of them. And three out of those four non-conference games are not against a power five team. And the only one that was was against Purdue. So it's just so tough to say because Syracuse didn't have a week two or a week three or a week four game against NC State or Wake Forest or something like that where we could better gauge perhaps what this team is. So we're certainly going to learn a lot about them. There's one more game that I want to talk about this week coming up, and that is Louisville versus NC State. That'll be Friday night, 7 p.m. on ESPN. And we mentioned that NC State not looking too great. They probably should have lost at Virginia. Louisville, on the other hand, with the new head coach, Jeff Brom, this team actually looks really good. Now, Again, we don't really know about the competition that they've played. They beat Georgia Tech week one, a team that actually looks decent, but it's tough to tell week one what a program is. Murray State, they crushed, okay. At Indiana, they won, and that was on the road, so that was a big win for them. But again, we still don't know a ton about Indiana because one of their wins was against Akron. That went to four overtimes. They lost against Ohio State. Indiana was never going to win that game. So we really don't know about Louisville. But they are 4-0 with a chance to get to 5-0 going into their game against Notre Dame. So what do we make of, of this Louisville team as they're about to head on the road to the great state of North Carolina and face this NC State team that might have more trouble than their record might tell us? Yeah, I I think that when you look at uh, what we're dealing with with Louisville, it is probably one of the more fascinating turnarounds that we've seen at a program because we knew that this was a team that had talent available. We knew that this was a place where you can have success in the ACC and nationally. It was just a matter of how quickly can you get there after everything that has happened at Louisville over the last 10 years Um, has transpired how quickly can you bounce back from that and I think that one of the best ways to kind of look at it is again if you go back to CFB graphs and you look at their efficiency numbers Louisville has the 10th most efficient uh, rushing offense the fifth most efficient passing offense they're the most efficient on early downs they have basically they have one of the best offenses in the country at moving the ball uh, and scoring points that's really important they have one of the bottom worst defenses at doing those same things. And this really strikes you as like a vintage Louisville program. Now, when you are in that situation, it's about, you know, being making, you have little margin for error because you can't really stop anybody and you need to score in order to kind of put people out. And I think what I'm most interested in watching with this game is that NC state, the offense is a mess. I think that we can at this point say that Brendan Armstrong was maybe a flash in the pan the one year that he had a success. We've seen more years of unsuccessful Brendan Armstrong than we've seen with successful Brendan Armstrong. Uh, But that NC State defense is still pretty solid. That NC State defense gave Notre Dame fits for a good portion of the game. That NC State defense played pretty well against Virginia, making some key turnovers and some key interceptions uh, in in a really wonky game. I am going to learn a lot about Louisville in terms of their ceiling based on how they handle NC State. If they if they blow out NC State, 
I am willing to put Louisville in contention in the top five of the conference. They'll yep. be in my power rankings. They will be a team that I am saying could face off against FSU in that ACC title game. If this is a one or two score game, if it's like one of those weird like Friday night ACC <laughs> games, I am pretty confident that this Louisville team is going to be really fun to watch but might not actually be anywhere near good enough for me to sit back and say like, yeah, that they're championship level. I completely agree. I think so far Louisville hasn't played a very tough schedule this season. They're not playing a particularly tough schedule. They do have Notre Dame. They have Duke. They have Miami, but they don't have North Carolina. They don't have Clemson. They don't have Syracuse. Pitt looks bad, and that was a, a team that we thought, okay, that could be one of the better teams. And they do have Kentucky. We don't really know how Kentucky is going to be at the end of the year. But for the most part, they do have a pretty light schedule. So as you said, if they blow out NC State, win by two touchdowns, you could absolutely see a case that that Louisville wins nine games this year. And maybe they they beat either Duke or Miami, and they can be way up there in the conversation as one of these teams fighting to get into the ACC championship game, which, by the way, would be such a remarkable turnaround for this program. I think Scott Satterfield was very overrated. I think Jeff Brom is a literally a perfect fit there. The man was born, raised in Louisville, went to Louisville, he's coached in Louisville. I mean, this guy he could be the mayor of Louisville at this point. And but it, it'll be very interesting to see what they do this weekend because that will tell me oh, this is a team that maybe they can bring a fight to Notre Dame the first weekend of October. Maybe they can beat Duke. Maybe they can beat Miami. Or if this is a close game, if they somehow lose to NC State, then we'll look back and say, oh, okay, they they beat Georgia Tech week one, fine. They beat Indiana, close, okay. But this team is just middle of the pack ACC, and they're not going to beat the top teams. They might even lose to Pitt. They might even lose to Virginia Tech, and, and they could have a bunch of losses down the stretch. So we're going to learn a lot. I like Louisville, especially their offense. I think their defense could step up in big moments. We saw they stepped up in one huge moment in the Indiana game with a goal line stand to keep Indiana from tying it. They had four chances right there at the goal line, and Indiana stopped them, and then their offense methodically put the game away. I think Louisville wins this one by about a touchdown. Right now they're favored by three points. But, again, I know we've been saying it a million times, but early in the season – this will tell us so much about this team. And if Louisville wins this game, same goes for Syracuse, then yeah, the, the respect for them goes up massively. And now this is a team that I think can compete to make it to the ACC championship game. Whereas if either team loses, it's, oh, it can still be a good season, but you're just not in that conversation with the top teams. Right. And I and again, like you said, kudos to what's happening down, down in Louisville. I was fundamentally worried that after everything that happened with Petrino and the other scandals around the, around the program, that this was going to be an athletic department in disarray for a very long time. Um, We've seen that happen with other programs, including our future uh, conference mate SMU. (laughs) Uh, They have rebounded incredibly well. And it's, it is a great atmosphere for football. I still am scarred by every Lamar Jackson leap over a Syracuse player. Uh, this is this is a program I don't love to see doing well, just because of my own personal experiences with a good Louisville football team. But what they're doing is legitimately impressive in year one, and I feel like Louisville is asserting themselves in, into a position long term where they will be back in that you know upper level of the ACC conversation. Absolutely, just three other games this weekend that uh, maybe aren't as must-watch games as the three that we've talked about. We've got Bowling Green against Georgia Tech at three thirty on the ACC network, and then two ACC games, keeping it in house, that are just pure sicko games for this week. Two o'clock, Virginia versus Boston College. Again, one of them is going to have their first conference win of the year, and then at eight p.m. on the ACC network, Pitt at Virginia Tech. That one could look very ugly, and uh, I'm going to be watching that one, and I am not excited about it is all I'll say. (laughs) Listen, it it, it is the curse of Pitt and Syracuse that one of these teams must be involved in ACC sickos for the season. It is your curse to carry this season. 
Yeah, there there are going to be a couple sickos games uh, for Pitt in this one. We you could argue we've already had it, but certainly at Virginia Tech is going to be way up there. Perhaps at Wake Forest against Boston College in on a Thursday, November. That is going to be the sickos game of the ACC schedule. Uh, before we uh, wrap things up, Andy, let's talk about our power rankings for this week. So at the top, I can't imagine either of us made a change. Florida State has got to be number one. Uh, they are going to be my number one until they lose a game. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So number two, is it North Carolina? Is it someone else? What do you have? I am still sticking with Drake may and UNC. I think that when you look at all of the other teams that we're about to talk about here, the one thing that UNC has that those other teams don't have is Drake may dude threw a touchdown with his left hand. Uh, I am in awe of how good this quarterback is. And it is still wild to me that uh, he flipped from Alabama to UNC because right now, if he was the quarterback of Alabama, we'd be talking about Alabama as the favorites in the SEC. And that, to me, is insane. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Nick Saban is uh, is upset, is upset about that decision at this particular moment. I'm in agreement. North Carolina still number two. They don't play this week. They get to rest up and they'll have a game coming up against Syracuse and then against Miami. But for the most part, uh, yeah, this North Carolina team, to me, looks pretty clearly like the second best team in the conference. And again, until they lose, I don't think I'm going to move them out of number two. But we'll see. Number three, who do you have? This is where we can start getting it can start to get a bit dicey. Yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to put Duke up there. Uh, you know, they're four and oh, they've gone through their their, you know, non-conference or they've gone through most of their non-conference schedule. Um, they'll finish up this week against Notre Dame. I, I got to give them their props. They've looked really good. Like I said earlier, they're remarkably consistent. I think that this has been a tremendous start to the season for Duke. I think you had them. What was last week? Did you have them at five last week? I did. I had to give them, I had to give them some credit. Like when you go again, when you go four and zero uh, to start your season, like there is something to be said about that hint, hint for the rest of the power. Ooh, rankings. Okay. I'm, I'm excited about that. I had Duke number three last week. Uh, I remain frozen. I have Duke still third and uh, and just so excited for that game. Primetime matchup on ABC against Notre Dame. OK, in your fourth spot, what uh, what 4-0 team are we going to see here? We're going to see the Miami Hurricanes again. They are. It's funny because we talk about all three teams that we've talked about so far. You know, uh, FSU has knocked off two ranked teams. Uh, Duke, UNC have each knocked off one. Miami knocked off Texas A&M, who uh, looked pretty good against Auburn. That Texas A&M win might end up being a pretty nice strength of schedule uh, win for the Miami Hurricanes. Not saying that they're going to need that, but uh, it's it's turning into be where I think I might have underrated how good this Miami team is just because of the competition that they've played uh, to, to start the season. Not to mention, I think we've been burned before by the is Miami back is Miami legit conversation many a years and it just hasn't been the case finally that might actually be the case so we'll we'll certainly see coming up but I also have Miami number four now number five you could keep a two and two Clemson there or you could go for a four and oh squad Andy who is your number five in the power rankings you gotta win the games in front of you uh, and there are two teams in the ACC who have done that to this point. I'm going to go with the team that has had the slightly stronger strength of schedule is slightly higher in the SP plus and the football power index ratings. I am putting my Syracuse orange at oh. number five in the power oh. rankings. First time in program history that they have gone undefeated in non-conference play, uh, mostly because Syracuse was independent until 1991, but uh, still a momentous achievement for them. Again, they're going up against the Clemson team this week that I we both think that they'll probably lose to, but they are 4-0. I'm going to fully take advantage of this while I have the opportunity. I don't blame you. The man is not a homer. Don't even come at him. Now, I had I think I had pit number three in our preseason rankings. So, uh, yeah, I'm so not did, one to talk. So did I. Well, OK, yeah, but I'm I'm still not one to talk. Any chance you have to put your squad in the top five, I am good with that. I came close to putting Syracuse there. I came close to putting Louisville there. I have to stick with Clemson. I know it's boring. I know they're two and two, but Clemson is so talented. 
that loss against Florida State, I can't really hold it against them. The only time that I thought they looked bad was against Duke, a team that I actually think is really good. But I am fully reserving the right to drop them way down. If Syracuse beats Clemson, they're not going to see the top five again this season. If if you know Louisville could pop up, so many things could happen. But right now, I'm keeping Clemson there. My list remains the same. It remains boring. But I've got Clemson there. But I would love to be proven wrong. I would love to see a team like Syracuse, Syracuse or Louisville in this top five next week. I think it's one of the best things about the ACC is that we can go into next week and have a we, right now. I think we both have a decent idea of like if things play out the way we think we do, what the rankings are going to be. We are guaranteed at least one of those teams is going to do something really weird and make us rethink our entire uh, thought process here. Absolutely. So, so many exciting games coming up this weekend that we're looking forward to. Um, Andy, let's uh, let's tell the people where they can find you and follow you. Yeah. Follow me at AC Pregler on all of the socials, you know, X, Twitter, Blue Sky, whatever. Uh, I'm at AC Pregler over there. Uh, hit me up on my Substack. Also, AC Pregler. Uh, post all of the Fans First podcasts that I'm doing over there, as well as a weekly Syracuse College Football preview. Excellent. And I am Corey E. Cohen on Twitter. I'm Corey Cohen on Blue Sky. That's C-O-R-E-Y-C-O-H-E-N. You can also find me over at the Pit Talk Network. You can follow uh, Pit Talk wherever uh, you get your podcast. Subscribe to the network. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on there. Also, please uh, follow, subscribe to the FFSN College Football Feed wherever you're listening to this. And we will be right back here next week talking about ACC football. Really entertaining weekend upcoming. And uh, we hope to see you here same time next week. For my co-host, Andy Pregler, I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from the Fans First Sports Network.